Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And today we are welcoming back executive coach and co creator of Maven's e learning course and coaching program, the one and only Julia Quijano. Hi, Julia. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jessica. You guys, I just cannot get enough. I, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> We can't get enough of you. Oh, it's mutual, <laughs> mutual. I love it. Third, third time is the charm. Fourth um, time. Actually, fourth time. Is this the fourth time? This is our fourth. Get out. Oh, I my know. gosh. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> it's like a never-ending, you know, um, evergreen fountain. Not only that, but we just finished recording and rolling out our latest e-course together, Becoming a Strategic Partner, which, I mean, apparently, we, like you said, we have not... Uh, we have not run out of things to discuss with each other yet. That well is deep, you guys. We have a lot yeah. and a lot more coming. It's just, and a lot you know, more coming. We, I think we really listen to the challenges that the community is, is facing as the, the market and technological paradigm shifts. So we'll, we'll yeah. keep, keep the good um, info and ideas and advice coming your way. Hundred percent, and I want to thank you. I know that you're basically broadcasting live from LA Tech Week, where I know you've been very, very busy doing double duty, hosting events and meeting with executives and job seekers and all kinds of great coaching content that's coming out of that as well. So thank you for making time in the midst of all of that mayhem. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. So as I mentioned, we just finished our second course, our second e-course, Becoming a Strategic, a strategic Partner. Um, and in furtherance to that conversation, as Julia mentioned, we wanted to do some follow-up on an emerging area that is rapidly presenting itself as yet another strategic opportunity for executive assistants to 10x their work. And that, of course, is this rapidly evolving area of AI. And uh, we've also had a number of requests from, from listeners, and Julia mentioned this, that we do our best to really try to tailor our content and um, consider the, the wishes and needs of, uh, of those of our, of our listeners who write in. Um, so we've had a number of requests from listeners to highlight this topic as an emerging area and opportunity for executive assistance. So thank you, as always, for, um, our, to our community for sharing those ideas. As a quick refresher before we get started, Julia is a former executive assistant turned chief of staff and currently runs her own executive development firm where she works with startup leaders across various industries. She is the co-creator and host of, as I mentioned, our now two e-courses and also facilitates our group and individual coaching programs. This is, oh my goodness, you're right. It's, her, it's your fourth time. Uh -huh. I lost count. This is officially her fourth time as a, re as a REACH guest. And her other episodes include what it means to be a chief of staff, how executives have also been affected by the great resignation, and how to set SMART goals. So definitely check those out if you haven't already. All right. So AI, here we go. 
As a fun exercise, I thought to kick this conversation off, Julia, I would just ask ChatGBT to respond to the prompt of how can executive assistants leverage you to be more effective? And within less than, I want to say, five seconds, I had a bulleted list of six items from ChatGBT, and they included things like information retrieval to help with prep or background due diligence, task management, meeting preparation and talking points. Uh, They mentioned drafting and editing of emails and documents. It mentioned email management. And my personal favorite was problem solving and decision making. Yeah. So as you think about the utility of AutoGBT or ChatGBT in the EA role, what possibilities emerge for you? Oh, man, what a question. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think that this is such a timely discussion. I know, I know that, you know, we've had some interest in this topic for a while, um, but especially, you know, as I sit in LA today in the midst of Tech Week, all week long, the only per- the only thing that everybody's talking about right now is AI in all kinds of different scenarios, but that is just what is on everybody's mind. And and I, I think it's also really timely that you know we did just launch our our second course on becoming a strategic partner because you know all we hear from the community so often is how can i level up how can i be more of a strategic partner and we really dive deep into into that in the course but it's such you know marrying kind of this idea of of a strategic partner with what we're seeing in technology right now surrounding ai is really kind of where where the magic is and where the possibility is and before I even go into kind of what the different possibilities are, I think it's really important to just kind of take a beat and, and frame up for everybody what's happening in AI right now and and why this is so hot and how fast the, the paradigm shift is and how fast the adoption is and the advancements of this like broader category that we're calling AI. So I think it's just so important that we frame what's been happening in AI and and kind of the phases of development that we've been characterizing as AI and also kind of just how fast this thing's moving. So I'm sure um, everybody who's kind of paying attention to the space right now in earlier this year, there was just so much excitement around the the launch of um of ChatGPT and specifically GPT-3. And, you know, GPT-3 was really blowing people's minds in, you know, putting a prompt in, getting something out that was, you know, pretty impressive and and usable. And very quickly, I want to say maybe four to six weeks later, OpenAI launched GPT-4, which was like uh, everybody really thought of GPT-4 as three on like 10x steroids and mind blown all over again. And, you know, and most of this stuff I was following on, you know, just some of the 
the tech podcasts that I listen to. And I literally every week, every episode were listening to just a complete game changer. And I, I think two weeks after this GPT-4 excitement, everybody started talking about auto GPTs. So you know what what are those and and what are the differences i think you know i want to kind of hone in on gpt4 versus auto gpts really quickly and look i'm not an ai expert by any means but really thinking about this in the context of of assistants and executives work gpt4 is really you know the incredible examples of like you put a single prompt in to ChatGBT and you ask it to write an essay in the tone of, you know, Socrates, and it will spit something out for you that's incredible, it's thorough, it's smart and editable. When you think about auto-GPTs, that's when we start talking about not just single prompt AI, but when we start talking about AI agents and more complex tasks. And that is, and and they actually ran this example, it's the difference between a single prompt asking, you know, an, an AI to write you an essay for you, to putting multiple prompts in saying, hey, I I'm going to do some meal planning for the week. I really want to eat healthier. Can you make me a customized vegan uh, meal plan, create a grocery list, and then actually place the order on Instacart for those ingredients to be delivered to me? That is really the power behind agents and auto GPT. So I frame it because think about from not just an, an EA perspective, but literally anybody, you can either keep going after the single prompt, like, okay, now write me a meal plan. Great. Now that I have the meal plan, now I'm going to ask you another prompt to, um, you know, create the shopping list for me. Great. And then I have to do the next step of, you know, ordering it on Insta Instacart. One now one prompt can execute a very complex task versus one single task at a time. So when we think about the possibility of AI in an executive assistant world, we got a lot out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if the light bulb moments were not already going off for people, I think that illustration definitely gives a lot of um, specific content to, to extrapolate from in terms of how you would use this in your executive assistant job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, tons. And tons, tons. And, and I think the, the, the reason that I like to tie it back to Jessica, this course that, that we, the, the second course that we just launched around strategic partnership. Now these possibilities are for you and, and using this and leveraging this in your work. Um, and look that the, the technology is not perfect right now, but, it's important to start learning and adopting this because this is the thing that could really help you level up as a strategic partner. I hear all the time from our clients about how they there's so many things that they do on a day-to-day -day that they can do in their sleep. And so if there are so many tasks that you can do in your sleep, 
those are really incredible things that potentially you could delegate to AI technology so that you can then level up to be that thinking, decision-making, problem-solving strategic partner to your executive and not be bogged down by a lot of the manual time-consuming work that and and you know what we talk about in in our course is kind of the tactical tasks that you need to do to run your executive's office. Right. I that's a really nice um uh segue because I, I think in the same way that you as an executive assistant are here to build capacity and leverage for your executive, this AI tool or tools, because there's many of them, but they're, they're, they can be used to do a similar thing for yourself to give you back the capacity and the leverage to be able to explore the higher order things that can't be relegated at this point to an AI um, interface. So, um, you know, you mentioned the tactical and the operational. What we talk about in the course are, I mean, tactical being, for instance, you know, put this on the calendar or move this meeting or, um, you know, schedule X, Y, Z, or get tickets for New York for this uh, business trip, something something along those lines. It's the mechanical stuff that you do. The operational stuff that we talk about is more of the archival knowledge, the systematic knowledge, the process knowledge, um, being able to, to kind of create that archive, that knowledge archive and knowledge base. There's a lot that ChatGPT can do, Chat. G, excuse me, chat GPT. <laughs> Still hard for me to say. Um, can, <laughs> it's like I have to consciously slow down. Um, there's so much that it can do to address those two parts of what we talk about as constituting strategic support. The third piece, of course, is the relational. And I, I don't think that there's a really good workaround at, at this point for how chat GPT can advise on that part of it. I think that is still the human interface, the human connection, the knowledge, the observation, the intuition, right? Those are still you knowing who your executive is. But to the extent that you can leverage these tools to, to handle the first two to help you with the tactical and the operational, it's just building more into your day so that you can then focus on the other things, including relational. A hundred percent. You know, executives want a thinking partner and there are, you know, there are so many things that need to be handled tactically and operationally. And imagine if you as an executive assistant could quite quickly onboard your own admin to help you with some of the talk, the tactical and operational stuff so that you could serve as that strategic thinking partner to your executive and think about how to oversee the work. And then of course, Jessica, to what you mentioned, you know, AI, and I, I might get in trouble for this, but as a, you know, EQ proponent and and you know uh, psychologist um, thinking about I could never imagine AI really replacing the human connection, the relational nuance, the trust building in a way that humans are really going to um, 
be able to feel 100% confident with, that's the piece that that this technology can now make room, more room for you in your role. Mm-hmm. 100%. We, <clears throat> we had on our program um, uh, another guest speaking about AI, uh, Abe Kang, for those of, uh, those of you who caught his episode. He's a management consultant um, in the security space. So he's a security leader, um, but he's also a, a JD who, who does some work as well in this kind of emerging field of AI and, and law. And one of the things that, that he talked about is, you know, thinking about what do you do currently that is um, high high burden in terms of time investment, but low value in terms of kind of strategic work or strategic lift. And he said that that pairing is a is a really good type of activity to find an AI solution for. And I thought that was a really nice way of kind of evaluating the work that you do and where you spend your time and really um, kind of applying that lens to what you might want to explore. And it doesn't mean that you suddenly, you know, do everything. It means try it out, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe the results are great and you're like, wow, you know, this edited version of, of this of this memo that I wrote in the style of Socrates mm-hmm. or whatever you said, <laughs> um, you know, I want to write a memo in the style of Bob Dylan to, to, yeah. to the board, <laughs> whatever, um, but try it out, right? Like see, does it actually work? Is it, is it doing what you need it to do? And if not, you know, it, again, these are not flawless solutions. And that was the other thing that he that he shared is he cautioned us as well that part of how these language models work is they, they use logic to populate the next thing and to anticipate. And sometimes even when there's not the, the information to follow up with, it will do these, it will, it will because it's programmed to, to return a solution, it will return things that aren't necessarily true or accurate, mm-hmm. right? So that's where you get these things called like hallucinations. So it, again, it's not, it's not perfect and you still have to apply your reasonable person lens and filter to it and, and, and fact check things, but, mm-hmm. but try it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's also important to remind everybody that, you know, OpenAI, the database, the information in there is from 20, I believe it's 2021 mm-hmm. and earlier. So when we're thinking about the most current up-to-date information, you really have to fact check some of these things because, you know, we're, we're two years older than the data set we're working with. Yeah, that's super important to make sure that people understand that, especially if you're using it as you know briefing material to help prepare your executive for a meeting. I mean that that data is antiquated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a little bit about some of the tasks or responsibilities that we see could be more easily or appropriately delegated, but I guess on the flip side. What do you see as some of the limitations of, of these AI languages in their ability to be helpful? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the the first thing to keep in mind is that, you know, your your output is only as good as your prompts, right? It's the saying garbage in, garbage out. And I'll tell you, the first time I tried making an image with Midjourney. Midjourney was really the first AI um, 
uh, interface that I really started playing with. And I thought, okay, mid journey, like how hard is it to make an image? And I put some prompt in and I thought it was very specific. And <laughs> let me, I got something back so ugly. I like was floored <laughs> that I could actually create an image that was so bad. And it took me really practicing being very thoughtful about how I was writing the prompts, the adjectives that I was using, the adjectives that I wasn't using to really craft and instruct this thing to give me something that I was imagining or wanting out of it. And it takes some practice. So if you, you know, put a prompt in to, you know, do some research on um, flights for your executive's trip and you get something back that is kind of garbage and not usable, then I think the first thing to actually think about is go back to your prompt. How could you be more specific? What kind of li- what kind of guardrails do you need to put on or, or specific details and information do you need to include or omit so that you are getting an efficient but high quality result back from it? That the, the power of the prompt is kind of the biggest limitation of of AI being helpful or or usable in your role. That's that's kind of first and foremost in my opinion. But then I also think you know AI sometimes and especially right now it's feeling a little bit like magic and I think there's you know, especially when we think back to the Instacart example that I gave earlier, you know, it sounds incredible just to be able to put a prompt in and have perfect groceries delivered to your door and you didn't have to do much thinking or coordinating around that. And certainly you didn't have to even go to the grocery store. But it's it's going to be dangerous and another kind of very concrete limitation if we think that AI can do everything for us. That again, we're kind of users of and overseers and managers of the work product that AI executes for us. So if you're not kind of checking and validating what's coming back to you and you almost overly trust AI to get you what you want, that is, it's just not going to be, it's it's not going to help you be successful in your role. And it's not going to help you move faster with high quality work product. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think I guess I, I'm 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 also curious to know what concerns you might have, if any, in our increasing reliance on these platforms um, to communicate. And, and I think about you know concerns about things like the dilution of um, of human connection and dilution of our individuality and our voice and our point of view. Because if you're going into a prompt and asking the prompt to generate, uh, like, as you, as you mentioned, you know, like generate an essay uh, or, or whatever the case may be, it will do a, a brilliant job of that. I mean, I think they said now like the AI is I think 10,000 times more intelligent than the human or something along these lines. I mean, something, something mind boggling, right? 
So it will certainly return something impressive. Um, but I wonder in that, do you have any concerns about the fact that we're now not being called upon to generate these thoughts and ideas on our own? We're not engaging our brains. We're not engaging our individuality. We're not engaging our own thought and point of view and, and the work that it takes to come to those types of conclusions. I mean, there's something um, I think very important as human beings in, <laughs> in that, that process of reflection and review and consideration to arrive at these types of essays or articles or whatever the case may be. So obviously you can hear my concerns coming out, but I'm curious if you have any concerns about what this presents and what this means for, for us as people. Well, certainly I think, you know, for, for us as, as people, um, I can quite quickly start catastrophizing on, um, how our social skills and EQ will evolve with this technology. You know, I think there's, if, if anybody's seen the social dilemma and what some of the, the social, um, the, the social networks have done to not only, you know, our generation, but the younger generations who kind of grew up and only knew Instagram. They like even missed the whole AIM um, and, and, you know, pre text message um, uh, time of our, of our lives. Yeah, I think, you know, from a macro level, I always get very, very scared about um, how we'll overly rely and stop flexing some of or stop exercising some of the muscles around what it really is that makes us human. It's, you know, our creativity. It is our thinking. It's our critical thinking. It's our contextualizing, it's the relationship building, right? Like that's the stuff that we really need to um, double down on. And I think, you know, there's obviously a very scary way to think about AI in that, you know, God, maybe it it will prevent us from f- or, or give us an out from exercising that muscle. At the same time, I think, you know, there's absolutely a school of thought that says that there's no such thing as an original idea. And if there's no such thing as an original idea, then a lot of the work that we can sometimes do trying to find the what, right, is just actually more kind of time consuming and a race against who who can find and craft what the, 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 what in a new and unique way. But I think the opportunity that this really presents in leveraging AI is how can actually, how can you get AI to really help you, um, fill in the what very quickly. So then us as humans thinking about our experience, our creativity, our contextualizing, our relationship building, that's when we really need to answer kind of the why and the when, if you will. So I actually, this, I think this really applies to the frame that we talk about in the strategic partner course. When you think about the tactical, the operational, and the strategic, 
AI can do a lot of the tactical and it can do some good operational pieces of it too. But if you think that your thinking and your work is done from a tactical and operational side, then you're missing this this strategic piece. You're missing the nuance. You're missing how to actually craft the tactical and operational work into something that is truly tailored and original because of who you are, the experience and perspective that you bring, and how you deliver and contextualize that in your work, in the culture of your organization, in the relationship with your executive, in the different personalities that you work with, right? If you're if you're missing that step, then yeah, we might be in real trouble because we've stopped thinking and we've stopped exercising right. the muscles that make us human. Yeah. I well and I mean, it's just it's just not the Waldorf way, right, Julia? It's not, it is not the Waldorf way. <laughs> it's not the Waldorf way. It's uh, an inside joke how, between how, us. How, but how, yes. I, how I went in my life from Waldorf, where you do not watch TV or look at screens growing up, to talking about AI on a podcast, I will never know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Um, but I like the point that you make about really questioning and i think this is this is from the little bit that i've dipped my toe into the, these discussions this is a very uh vibrant piece of these ai discussions is this definition of what makes us human and mm-hmm. and i think that it all kind of comes down to that and some people you know you gave one definition of humanity which is being able to contextualize and being nuanced and thoughtful and um you know the, really the kind of the compassion and the, the ability to relate, but other people, you know, define it as um, the ability to kind of be sentient and, and feeling. And I've heard some argue that we're getting to a point where these apparatuses will get to a point where they can be quote unquote sentient. And, and in that case, they're saying, well, is there really even a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, again, it's like, it's, it's how you define it and, and kind of, you know, um, your rhetorical stance from, from that, from that point forward. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I mean, I think that it's, I think it's really important not to lose sight of um, your individuality in the utilization of these things. And, and I go back to, you know, let's just keep with the Socrates method or whatever, or the, the, the Bob Dylan, like at the end of the day, your boss didn't hire you because you communicate like Bob Dylan or Socrates, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there's some, there's some interesting, you know, job qualifications out there. I'm not sure. <laughs> but if, if I would like to think that there was something that you conveyed, some way that you carried yourself some way that you had of expressing yourself or, you know, relating to the situation or the context or input that you provided that was unique to you. And that was the attribute or the skill set that they liked and, and wanted to have as part of their team. And so to the extent that we're just diluting that point of view and just dousing it and like bleach and chlorine and just mm-hmm. making it totally like dumbed down version of it, I think that that's really concerning. And so I think that we we do run the risk of... Um, of kind of, you know, just, uh, I guess, 
the word that's coming to mind is diluting, you know, mm-hmm. diluting ourselves and all of this. So I guess, you know, I, I go back to this question of, is there a trade-off between being nuanced and really, as you say, like um, finessed and having that context and having that, you know, historical context and, and sophistication in terms of how you strategize and how you come up with solutions. So is there a trade-off between operating in that way with a lot of nuance and, and, and finesse and, and of course, efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And is it still possible to be tailored and be nuanced and be thoughtful and all of these things if you're using AI to increase your efficiency as an EA. And I guess like my question to you would be, if, if it is possible to use AI and still be nuanced, you know, how do you accomplish this? And how do you navigate and straddle those two sort of um, competing priorities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. I, you know, when we think about nuance and efficiency, I really think about those two things not necessarily at odds with each other, but truly existing on the same continuum. And, you know, and I, and Jessica, I think we actually have to be really real about what's going to happen and what we're going to see more of in, you know, as this technology is, is more broadly adopted by everyone across all industries. There are going to be a lot of executives out there who, who who really just want an AI assistant and they're going to go pay some subscription model and it's going to do its calendaring calendaring for them and book some travel and and we'll get there and there will be a lot of executives who want that and i think they'll want that because they kind of first and foremost don't fully understand the real value that comes from an executive assistant partner. Um, they they won't fully um, feel the need to have that incredibly intimate relationship that's built between an executive and, and an EA, um, but also because they're just banking on the efficiency play. And, you know, I, I, I think I talk a lot with our coaching clients who will sometimes say, like, my executive kind of just treats me like um, a resource. They don't treat me like a partner. They just want me to crank on some things like a robot. Okay, those could actually be executives who are really, really good candidates for a true AI assistant solution. And there are going to be so many more who, who are craving and Jessica you hear this from 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 Maven clients all the time they're craving that strategic partner who could think with them be that sounding board be an extension of them as a leader and that's where you know for you finding that fit then coming back to how do you strike balance not necessarily and I know that I'm not talking about the trade-offs here but it's about striking the balance between the nuance and the efficiency. You almost want to double down on the nuance as a strategic partner and find ways to resource yourself and your work so that you can maintain the productivity, the output, the efficiency, but really position yourself and up-level yourself as that strategic partner. Yeah, 100%. I I think that now is the time, and I, I hope that our listeners are hearing this, 
that it's really incumbent upon you now more than ever to up level and to find ways to deliver at a strategic level if you aren't already. And I, you know, I agree with you. I think that there are uh, definitely examples of support roles that will be obliterated um, by by these technologies. And I, I think a lot too about like the offshoring economy and kind of the the offshore assistance um, uh, solutions that have that have also kind of you know, taken some of the market share. Um, of course, they're more cost effective, right? If you're if you're in, involving um, an overseas admin, you know, virtual support solution. Um, I think that was sort of one cost saving slash efficiency um, hack that that some people have gone with. But I think that now that we have these as as options, um, that some of that kind of tactical stuff might end up being. Um, in the hands of an AI solution, right? So I, I feel I feel a little bit more. I think that the the tactical admin solutions in general are going to see some, um, or the, rather, the tactical administrative partners are going to see some consolidation as a result of this. And I think that again, as you talked about, like that's why now more than ever you want to ensure that you're operating from a place where you are packing some serious punch. And so that your executive can look at you and look at your partnership and say, there's no way that I could get the same return um, that I receive in this relationship from an AI solution, right? And I think so much of that too comes from your observational um, viewpoint and your observational lens. AI will never have the ability to observe the boardroom discussion. They will never have the ability to know that, you know, so-and-so's wife was just diagnosed with breast cancer and that's why he's been distracted in meetings. And maybe we need to think about, you know, how do we, um, how, how do we support this person, right? And, and, and maybe cutting that individual some slack or knowing how to, you know, how to be mindful of, relationships and and what's it what's it what's at threat or what's what's vulnerable or what's in jeopardy or just all, all of these different things right or how to engage people so there's so much that is still yours um, and, and ours right in terms of how we um, maintain our staying power but it really really is so important that you take this opportunity to level up and and if you feel like you're not necessarily being seen in that way at this point or functioning in that way, it really is time, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's time to, to find the ways to develop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I want to, I want to tease out that boardroom example for, for a second there, because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but every time I'm hopping on a zoom these days, I am, joined by some AI agent that is a, looks like a new person and they're there to take notes and observe the meeting. So we're going to have all these, you know, AI tools that are sitting in on, in your boardroom meetings and taking notes and are, you know, quote unquote, observing and recording, but they're not going to do to your point, Jessica, the meaning making from 
the discussion, the nonverbal communication, the outside context and and what folks might be preoccupied with. Your, you know, little Zoom buddy or AI buddy that just hopped on Zoom with you um, to observe this meeting, they're not going to do that. It's that's right. that that's you. That's that's well, your value. hundred percent. And there's a very big difference between transcription mm-hmm. and observation. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Those are mm-hmm. very, very, very different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of these tools, that's what they're doing. They're they're creating like a court stenographer. It's like a record. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some of them may may be better at pulling out the agenda items and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a very different thing. Yeah. And that's the space that you need to, to really flush out and exist in is, okay, in this space between transcription and observation, like where do I exist and how do I make sure that I'm more on the observational um, partnership um, al- active ally, active participant, collaborator, you know, you want to make sure that those are the, um, you know, descriptors that, that your executive associates with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Jessica, this call to action that, that you're really, um, put in a stake in the ground here on like, this is the time to level, level up. I think, you know, this, this conversation that we're having today, it's not unique to executive support. It's not unique to, um, the, the startup industry. It's every, every single person is kind of asking themselves these questions in their own world and work. And, you know, I, I kind of equate it to, I liked what you said in the very beginning of our discussion today around like, you know, AI can 10x your work. And there's there's um, this concept that's been floating around for a while called the 10x engineer and thinking about how, you know, these days AI can write code faster and probably higher quality than the majority of engineers out there right now. So you could think about this as a threat as you're an engineer, or you can think about, wow, how can now you actually do and build so much more thinking about how to um, manage and oversee quality code and construct and architect technologies together and in a way that what they're saying is engineers are going to now start writing more English than code because now they're going to be these strategic leaders overseeing the AI that can just do it better and faster than than they typically could before. And I, I encourage us to think about that in the same way and, and almost borrow, you know, what does it look like to be a 10x EA? And I think about kind of the opportunity in front of us here this thing is kind of here to stay. It's it's not a trend that's going to be hot for one second and then disappear. A lot of people are talking about this paradigm shift in technology, very very similar to, and I've heard I've heard two. I've heard you know the World Wide Web, and I've also heard <laughs> smartphones. So I'll, and I'll mm-hmm. go with a smartphone analogy for a quick second. I encourage all of our listeners right now think about the job that you do today. And think about if you were doing your day-to-day work with the 
you know, what is it? I, I think I've lost track of what iPhone we're on right now, but like the, you know, iPhone 12 or whatever we're at, or think back to like playing snake on your Nokia. Imagine doing your job on a Nokia. Eventually, AI is going to be so even more integrated with our world and our work that if you don't start even just exploring it over the next, you know, couple of years, you may find yourself in your role stuck with a Nokia when the rest of the world and the rest of your peers have bought the iPhone. So, you know, given all of this, Julia, do you think that there's sort of a veiled threat here? Or do you think that there's anything that our listeners should feel concerned about? You know, my my honest opinion here is the only thing, the, the only folks who feel threatened is those who want to ignore this or kind of keep status quo. Um, and and if you want to if you want to keep status quo, you know, our world always evolves, especially our technology. You know, where we were ten years ago is so different from where we are today. Um, even you know, I'm I'm learning new technologies all day long to just keep up with with my innovating clients. That's just kind of part of what it means to be, um, you know, a, a professional in in you know, our, our current day and age. But, you know, if you find yourself feeling threatened by some of the tactical stuff that AI could handle for you in your role, if, um, if you feel kind of resistant to evolution and, and really want to double down on the status quo, I would just really encourage everybody to think about their why, right? Like why, what is it that you love about your role? Why is it that you pursued the executive support path at whatever point in in your career that you you did? What have you loved about it? I'm not sure that I have heard and and certainly from my own experience, for me, it wasn't, you know, going down an endless Google search to try to figure out what the best flight was. It was, you know, being in meetings and having these really incredible conversations with my executive to problem solve something with them and to and to truly make impact in a helpful way that allowed me to kind of try and experiment and grow in my human form, not just my kind of manual execution skill set. So, you know, usually um, if we're resisting something or scared of something, there's, it's just an opportunity to think about our why and, and what do, what do we love about this and, and, and what is it that we want to continue? I think there's something really important to understand in when you're talking about the why, Julia, um, and you know, and also not being adverse to to change and to growth and and to, to to learning in your role. Because I go back to no matter how you prompt AI, it, you can never prompt it to have the full extent of the context that you as the employee have, right? 
you can query and you can get really creative and, and thoughtful and clever with how you prompt it, but you cannot, there's no way. If you've been supporting a CEO and you've been through thick and thin and you've been in war rooms together and you've been through, you know, um, data leaks together and security breaches together and an IPO together and you've, you know, you've seen executive teams dissolve and reform and, 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 you know, product vulnerabilities and, and, you know, sensitivities in between one organization and another. I mean, there's so much context that you have that allows you to function in your role. And there's no prompt, no matter how clever you get, that can really capture all of that, right? You can, you can narrowly capture some of it and you can say, given X, Y, and Z, but it, it just, it can't, it doesn't have the archival and historical organizational knowledge that you, that you have. And so I think like, like you encourage Julia, you know, don't be threatened, um, rather embrace it, get curious, but also don't lose sight of your value and, and, and make sure as, you know, as we've, as we've encouraged in this podcast, really since our inception, you know, three or so years ago is find ways to contribute and, you know, find your voice in your organization and, and how to get up to speed. And I think that was actually, I want to say in our very first conversation, Julia, like we talk about what resources to avail yourself to learn the priorities of the organization, to understand, you know, what the P zeros and P ones are and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. We've always been, been campaigning for this. And I think now more than ever is, is that, that, that reality is, is that much more present. Um, but because of all of that, I don't see it as um, as this sort of threat. I, I see it. I do see it as complementary. I still see it as complementary, um, provided that you are really taking full advantage of um, of the opportunities that your role affords as a strategic partner. That I think that's kind of for me where the rubber meets the road with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, yeah. and really, it it makes me as I kind of suggest to our listeners to think about their why. It reminds me of of ours, Jessica. Right, that not only this episode, but the courses, the coaching. It's you know we've we're we're working so hard to not only stay up to date with everything that's happening around this role, but also creating the resources and, and sorry for the shameless plug everybody, but really it's, it's, you know, we, we, so I've lived the role I've, I've lived the growth from the role into other things. I so value the role or the, the impact that this role delivers we are working so hard to advocate on behalf of what we really know this role and you know all of you bright capable listeners are can can do in this role that we constantly want to make sure that we're feeding you the information the, the support the resources so that you can do whatever you want in this role and and really craft it in a way that that exemplifies and amplifies, you know, you and, and your, um, most highest, best unique skill set. So, you know, it's just reminding me, Jessica, of, of why, Mm -hmm. why we keep 
coming back and, and talking mm-hmm. about some of these things. Why the well is so deep. Yes. Why it's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. So for those that haven't yet um, dabbled in AI, um, what are some of the applications or interfaces that you would recommend they, they play around with? Yeah, you know, I think for um, mid-journey for, for images, definitely the 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 most fun you know guys also remember that you you will likely have to pay a subscription for some of these things so um just keep your your eye out there's there are free trials for some but you know everybody's making some some money off of the many many apps out there but midjourney is super fun to play with um it it both kind of if you haven't looked into discord yet it forces you to get familiar with discord as a platform and then um really guides you through how how to how to prompt images and gives you lots of good kind of trial and error um for creating some of those things i also really like poe p-o-e um poe is a text app that was actually created by um by cora and um, and and that's a great way to do kind of single text or single prompt um, uh, tasks. I'm also, you know, for all of you on Instagram, I I really can't keep up with all the new emerging AI apps and, and technologies out there. So I actually started following an Instagram account called AI Revolution. Um, I think it's called, I think their, their handle is AI, the revolution. Um, and I follow them all. They're constantly looking at and evaluating all the different apps out there. And that's how I'm learning, um, all the new stuff in real time myself. So, you know, easy, easy to scroll through things and just get exposure. Um, so highly, highly recommend to follow there. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. And I, I, I will say we had a guest on our program as well. Um, she's the chief of staff at Rewind, and um, they also have an, an interesting interface that our, our users may be interested to explore um, at the at the corporate level, I would say. It's really more of a, um, of a B2B type of a solution, um, but definitely very interesting. A lot of, lot of interesting features to that. So um, I guess kind of in, in, in closing... I think one thing that we haven't really touched on are some of the inherent security risks or, you know, potential for information leaks. And I think about, um, you know, how much confidential information our EAs come into contact with in their roles. And, you know, that that information could potentially find its way into one of these um Prompts. So I'm curious, you know, if, if you have any thoughts about safeguards and things that people should put into place to keep their their company's information safe and secure. Yeah, I think it's a really, a really important call out. Um, I'll, I'll first say that I'm not even anywhere near, but know what's happening around a lot of the discussion and debate um, involved in regulating AI right now. So it's super hot this week in LA during tech week. It's on every single podcast right now talking about LA, uh, talking about AI rather, um, because 
we are going to have to figure out what the bounds are to this thing, how to use it responsibly, especially when, you know, there are folks who have access to really important, confidential, sensitive um, information at the end of the day, right? It's, it's data. So how do we think about that? From an EA perspective, um, I, you know, we are keepers of confidential information. So I will always, always, always say err on the side of caution. I think, you know, when thinking about something like, you know, populating a presentation for the board, there's so many AI apps out there right now. I'm sure there's going to be some corrupt ones at some point. Um, so it's it's going to be important to leverage a lot of these tools for think about frameworks and roadmaps and structure to a deck and an overall you know arch and narrative that you can then use as a skeleton to then populate off of some of these apps that are kind of secure and maintain confidentiality, um, you know, populate the data after you've kind of gotten the, the bare bones of, of a framework or, or a structure. Um, I will also say that, you know, for many of you, I'm sure you work in organizations with very, very robust cybersecurity and IT departments. And I, I, promise you they're all working diligently to figure out how to best guide um, the organization and employees on on how to use some of this technology. So, you know, when in doubt, go ask your your IT and security teams. They're gonna they're 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 keeping up with this stuff um, as much as anybody else, if not more. Yeah, I agree. And I and yet I also think that it is such a there's a lot of catch up right now and there's a lot that's unknown. And, you know, if you do work for one of these larger organizations that's fortunate enough to have like a head of InfoSec or whatever, um, or a CISO, like awesome. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of our listeners that might be in like a series A or series B startup or a smaller, you know, um, uh, professional services company or venture capital firm or what have you that might not have those Mm -hmm. same tools. So I do think it's at least be aware enough to know, hey, <laughs> there are risks to using this um, and and ask the questions and don't be the one that's caught unawares thinking that, oh, this is totally um, safe and secure. And then, you know, come to find out that some massive leak has, has occurred as a result of your actions, right? So mm-hmm. I think know enough to know that you should be cautious. And and also that there are um, resources out there. And I mentioned this uh, earlier in our program, but uh, the podcast with Abe Kang, he works for a company called um, in, Include Security. And that's something that, that they can do is advise on security policies and, um, you know, kind of um, how to um, manage these, these protocols and, and creating even a protocol for your organization. So, you know, as an EA, I think it's, again, goes back to being strategic, like mm-hmm. making sure that these things are on the radar of your leadership team. If it's not, and if you identify that it's not and, and should be, it's worth um, kind of ringing the bell on um, and getting, getting some attention on it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Julia, n- number four. Number four. <laughs> no, sh- 
<laughs> no shortage of things to chat about. No I'm shortage sure of things. Many yes. more to come. Yeah. And do you want to share with our listeners as well um, the best way to get in touch with you and or us regarding coaching curiosity or even just um, our e-course if they are interested in um, in looking into, particularly, we talked a lot today about the second course, but do, do you want to maybe share how they can do that? Yeah, we have lots of good information and an overview of all the different um, coaching packages and courses that we offer um, on the Maven website. So if you go to mavenrec.com and navigate to um, the reach section where you can also find some um, past episode podcast episodes, you can navigate to our e-courses. Um, the direct website link there is courses.mavenrec.com. Check that out. Um, you can also check out more about me, juliaquijano.com, um, and then email me at julia at juliaquijano.com. Pretty, pretty easy there. Yes. Yes. And, and we are um, currently taking signups for our group coaching cohort, which will be in September of this year. Mm. Um, but we also offer ongoing individual coaching if you're looking for um, one-on-one support um, specifically with Julia. Yeah. So. And we keep your eye out too. Um, I think there there might be um, a a promo code um, for, for group um, that's live right now, but we, we periodically like to um, give some good sweeteners and, and some deals for you guys. So keep your keep your eye out. Follow um, follow on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Um, that's where we usually post all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yes, one hundred percent. Thank you, Julia. This has been amazing as always. As much always, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a good chat. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.